This is a Broad Pods production. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Broad Radio. For you, by you. Broad Radio. Here for more. Hey, Kel, it's so awesome to have you here. Um, I love everything that you do as a podcaster, stand-up comedian, writer. You're amazing. And also now reality TV star. Mm. It's, <laughs> it's, I've, I've had a lot on. You really have. So we're going to be talking to you about your time in I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, which is currently on our screens. How are you doing that in the jungle and here at the same time? COVID, COVID. <laughs> it's, it's a side effect of COVID. <laughs> so it's a little bit pre-recorded and then the finale will be live and the the, the world will vote for the winner. All right. I have many questions about that in just a little while. Also today joining us, Kate O'Halloran, ABC Sports Juno, is going to give us the lowdown on the AFLW, which I am just loving, largely because the pies are two for two, um, which I'm very excited about. Lots of amazing sport going on, though, if you're a sport lover this week. And I'm so excited about this. If you are thinking at this time of year about how to get more out of 2022, and not just this year, but perhaps your life, We've got an amazing guest joining us live from LA. She is author Eve Rodsky. She's the author of this book, Find Your Unicorn Space, which I absolutely loved. It matches our backdrop. How about that? Um, She's also the New York Times bestselling author of Fair Play, which is an amazing book that kind of redresses that uh, domesticity and the imbalance of the burden that comes with raising a family and being workers and partners and all of that sort of thing. So she's joining us live from LA, can I say it, um, to help us perhaps maybe re reconnect with our creative spaces. It has been wonderful to have so many new people join us over the break. So if you are watching live on Facebook or YouTube, do please share your comments and questions along the way. It would be really lovely to hear from you. But you can always catch up on any of our episodes via podcast with our podcast, Broad Radio On The Go, wherever you get your podcasts. In the meantime, Kel, so many questions about mm-hmm. I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out Of Here. Firstly, I imagine it's not a thing that you thought you would ever do. No, I've, I've been asked before and I was always like, oh, why would I want to do that? And then I got asked again this year. And because the pandemic had turned the world upside down anyway, I was like, why not? Why not do something else extraordinarily weird? Mm. So, so we know it as food challenges and lots of tears. That's how I imagine <laughs> it. And some weird ass games in between. Yeah. 
What was your experience of it? Um, uh, my my summation of the experience is profound conversations and huntsman sandwiches. <laughs> like it's this this. I felt like I was given such a gift. I just got to go and meet friends with people, like new people, and and because we recorded it um, a couple of months ago, like lock, we'd already had lockdown. And it was just nice to be somewhere stuck with people that hadn't heard all my stories. Yes, like it was like a. My, my husband got to relax, didn't have to hear the story about the spider in the glove box again. <laughs> and then I just had a whole lot of other people to tell stories to and get to know, and it was great. But so I I look at it and I think, are you on all the time? Do you, particularly because you're there as a comedian, right? Do you feel the pressure to be on and to be entertaining all the time? I went in going, all I have to do is be myself. That was my aim, was mm-hmm. to just be myself. And uh, that's what I did. And you forget that the cameras are there until you go to a challenge and Julia and Dr. Chris look amazing in their television mm. outfits and then you're like, oh, my God, is this a dream? I'm in my pyjamas. Like, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't feel like a TV show. Yeah, because you just get used to it. it just, you just get used to concealed cameras and, yeah, it was such a treat. It was so it's such a weird experience. But, but there's a lot of what we see is your, you know, doing a live podcast or you're, you know, playing, doing sketches or, you know, you're kind of doing a wacka wacka sort of, is that you normally? Oh, yeah. I just, oh, okay. I just am like, you know, it's enjoyable to be funny and mm. like, you know, you're funny. Like we mm. chat, we, we, make, we make each other laugh <laughs> yeah. and it's just kind of like that. The, the times when it felt like it was a bit more of a performance is if you're doing a challenge or something and you're kind of like, I want to give this my all and make this fun and funny. But yeah. for like hanging around the camp, it was just, yeah, just me. So um, you did eat bizarre things like I, I don't know I haven't I haven't seen it happen yet it's so ah. weird watching it back with my child and my husband um and every time the Warren the Wombat chooses who's going to be in the next challenge my son sits there on the couch going cow 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 like he's just so excited at the thought of me having to do something disgusting mm. <laughs> so obviously spoiler alert you can't I say can't, I can't tell really you. anything no we can, we can talk about what we've seen already. Yes. Um, but cannot disclose anything. I'll tell you something that I saw that I absolutely loved that was so beautiful was that moment where everybody was saying nice things about you. <laughs> <laughs> How nice. I'm going to go to the jungle and have people say nice it things was, about me. It was really amazing. So it was like an affirmation circle that um, Davina had suggested uh, because Nathan Buckley had uh, collapsed earlier that afternoon and we were all very upset about him being taken ill and then Davina suggested that we all go around and just say what we loved about each other or what we liked about each other and so that it went on for ages it Mm. went on for so long and it was so lovely uh just to hear people like kind of get the essence of other people even so quickly and yeah so the whole thing went on for ages and then it just seemed to be me and (laughs) Poe I mean it's pretty remarkable to have people say nice things to you in that way in real like it's not your you know funeral uh, yes, like yeah, like you, we were all there to, to hear, hear the lovely things, yeah. yeah. And also in real life, whoever does an affirmation circle? Apparently like, Davina, because <laughs> she, she was like, oh, my girlfriends and I do this, um, like after oh. we've had a couple of glasses of wine. And it was just gorgeous. It was really so lovely. And like my thing is I'm always trying to tell people how I feel about them because I don't think you should uh, die wondering, you yes, know, like. Yes, um, And it was just gorgeous to have that on a huge scale of just everybody and people not taking it cynically but gen- genuinely answering yeah. um, 
Yeah, it was great. Yeah. I feel like I've joined a cult with terrible catering. I just have to say <laughs> when I talk about it, I feel like I'm I'm like a decoy for like the next cast. Like I'll be sitting in the pond like a duck going, do it, do it, just do it. It's really great. Do it. So let's do an affirmation circle now, starting with me. No, that's I'm joking. Um, what I do want to know, though, is because Miff Warhurst, we interviewed her last year and she had done it mm-hmm. um and she said it was absolutely transformative for her so yes. did it change you yes it absolutely did in it what re- way um it uh just made me be in the moment like it was a real it was a, a such a change to all I had to do in there was just talk to people uh and do challenges and and that was all I had to do and it was such a relief from going oh, I've got to write a comedy festival show oh, I've got to sort of at school I've got to it was just so it just allowed me to be in the moment and it showed me that I was more resilient than I ever thought I was. And it just made me appreciate everything. It made me appreciate that the, the things I will never eat again. <laughs> also, recently it seemed you really appreciated cushy chairs to sit on and those sorts of oh, creature comforts. that this You don't understand how hard a log is to sit on until you've sat on it for weeks on end. Like it's so, it's so hard. This is a terrible thing that I'm going to admit to you. I reckon I got butt calluses. Oh. I reckon I just had like little kind of a weird, weird texture <laughs> to myself it, that had been sitting on the log. Now I'm doubly appreciative that you're wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you didn't walk in. Go check out these butt calluses. <laughs> I, I can't fit my pants anymore. They're so big. Okay, oh. <laughs> get them into the back of my jeans. So. <laughs> and also I have to acknowledge that I'm – Deeply envious that you got to go into the jungle wherever it was shot, which is not technically the jungle, so you had to stay to stay in Australia. Um, but with three of my heroes, Dylan Lewis, Poe, and Nathan Buckley, who as a Collingwood supporter, I have and have known him sort of vaguely personally. He's one of the greatest humans you'll ever spend time with. Yeah, it was, it was he was such a revelation. Like when would I, a comedian, hang out with a footy coach and retired player? Like mm. when when would we ever hang out together? Mm. Um and yeah, he was great. He was just so lovely, such a caring person. Like when it poured with torrential rain, he went in and made sure everyone was under their tarps safely and like just, and really funny too. And mm. it was so lovely for me to go in there and find Dylan because we used to work together and we haven't seen each other for years. And it was just so lovely to reconnect. And Poe, the best thing in the world is making her laugh. Like yeah. she's just the best. Yeah. All glorious. Oh, it was yeah. it's so nice yeah. to be able to talk about it because it was a secret for ages because you know we recorded a couple of months ago uh, and it felt like I was having an affair with 12 people like I just couldn't tell anybody about my wonderful new friends and they're like yes Poe great and did you at any time almost blow that secret like you know when you're pregnant right and you know what you're having and everybody goes what yeah. are you having and you're like oh, I'm not going to say and then for me, by the time I got to eight months pregnant, I just was basically talking about painting her fingernails and doing it and braiding her hair. And people were like, I think we know you're having a girl because <laughs> I just couldn't. Did you ever blow the secret? I didn't blow the secret except to my son. I, I wasn't going to tell him any of the names of the people that I was in with, but he just casually asked me a question. Like I'd said something that someone had said to me and he goes, oh, who said that? And I just went, Dylan. And then was like, oh, Oh, and then we just called everybody the Dylans. Oh, cute. so so he was like, oh, so um, who did you have to do that challenge with? And I'd be like, the Dylan. 
<laughs> so they were 13 Dylans for ages. So, but hey, when you go away, and I've always wondered this, did people know you were going away to do the show? No one really did. People knew I was going away for work. Oh, okay. But like my mother-in-law had no clue until the show started. And then they get a text message from her just going, Cal Wilson with exclamation marks. And she was so shocked. And I was like, well, we've done that really well. But so, but your your boy was kept, he sworn to well, secrecy. I t- yeah, I didn't want him to have to carry the secret for a long I was time. Say, there's no way my daughter would keep that secret. Well, She's at home trying to work out whether to eat chicken or not. <laughs> that she caught herself. Um, I, I told him that I was going away for work and I couldn't tell him what I was doing. And so he worked out that it was a movie in Sydney. And I didn't deny that. But then um, halfway through, my husband told him. And he's been really great. He's been just like the grave with everything. I love it. It's so amazing. I'm really, uh, yeah, I'm loving watching you in it. It's an absolute joy. And, you know, the show is kind. And how rare is that in TV? It's amazing. And that's what everyone keeps saying. It's not gotcha television. Like, sure, we have to do weird food stuff or Mm. trials. But it's not about making anyone look like a fool mm-hmm. or anything. And I was worried about going in. I was like, oh, I hope there's no really right-wing politician in there. Like, I hope there's no... Yeah, they've done that in the past. Yeah, and now, I, th- now I think it's just everyone's like, oh, why don't we just get people who are great and put them together? Like, yeah, no controversy here, just no. kindness and fun. Yes. Yeah. Oh. oh, I was going <gasps> to say the, the controversy of me remembering a photo that doesn't exist. That was a big... <laughs> yeah, that was funny. A big thing for me. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, so, but I thought I had a scoop then that you accidentally dropped that there's a no. controversy coming. No, maybe, the controversy yeah. was literally me just being an egg. <laughs> I won't hold it against you. I think we all have those moments. Cal, I love it. Thanks for being on the show today oh, and telling us that little bit of insight. In just a moment, we're going to be joined by Eve Rodsky, New York Times bestseller, all the way from LA. <laughs> Well, I have to say, Kel, it's that time of year where I look ahead to my 12 months and I think, what am I going to do with this year that's going to make me feel perhaps more fulfilled? Mm. How have I grown? But I'm looking back at the last two years and, geez, it's been hard. We have worked, I think, harder than we ever have, Mm. all of us collectively. We've juggled the homeschooling as parents and I think it's well documented that women have carried a load that has been ridiculous and in that time I felt like I've just bit by bit forgotten how to really do the things that Mm -hmm. light me up I guess yeah yeah which is why I loved it when this book landed on my desk we'll get a proper uh, cover up for you in just a moment it's by Eve Rosky it's called find your unicorn space reclaim your creative life in a too busy world, all of that spoke so much to me. Yeah, it was. I was reading it, just going, "Oh, well, that resonates." Oh, mm. this, oh, this is me. Like, oh, it was, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's all of that. So we're really thrilled to have Eve join us from LA. Hi there, Eve. Hi, Joe and Cal. Good to see you. Oh, it's great to have you. And gosh, we love technology when it works. Um, yes. Eve, <laughs> what does it mean to have a creative life, and why do you think it's so critical? Well, a creative life um, is not just with a paintbrush. A creative life can be an experience where you're, as you said, connecting with other people, doing weird food challenges. Um, A creative Mm -hmm. life uh, can be an accountant who's also um, an astronaut. It can also be a a parent who's a pilot. Um, A creative life is not something that I can tell you what yours is, but this book is about how to help you find it and return to it. 
Yeah, it was uh, what I what I found so um, interesting about it was that you start off by saying uh, uh, being artistic is not the same as being creative, and that everybody has a different creativity. How, like, how do you start to find yours? Like, if you're going, I would love to be more creative, but what is it that I want to do? Well, I think the first thing is to recognize that we actually have to prioritize it in our life. Uh, by unicorn space, I try to redefine creativity as the space for active pursuits that make you you. Kel, for so long, we've really said to people, okay, it's great that you're taking five minutes to go get your hair dyed um, or more like three hours <laughs> um, or conflating creativity with getting a manicure, especially for women. Um, or, you know, maybe a drink with a friend. But what I'm talking about here is what the research shows. Actually, it's a, it was a study out of New Zealand that showed us that creativity, living an active pursuit, a life where you have things that make you come alive, is not only the umbrella to the rain, because let me just tell you, right, we know that these storms are not stopping. It's been pouring on us for the past two years. But do we want to drown in that rain? Or at least can we have some sort of umbrella these active pursuits become our umbrella, experiences that can't be taken away from us, that we can draw on, like what you're doing today, sitting with each other, connecting and hosting a, a radio show. Um, those things are the things that lead to daily flourishing. And that's what I want for people. I want people to be feel like they're flourishing on a daily basis. I'm guessing that be, you would hear a lot in fact, probably from everyone, that sounds great, but I haven't got time. Particularly women uh, who might also be parents, even if you're not parents, people who are juggling careers and, and you know, partnering or not partnering. But, you know, time is, we're very, very busy. What do you say when people say, I haven't got time? Well, I would say is that if we really care about our health and wellness right now, then I would say prioritizing your creative life is almost or even more important than exercise. Um, what I ask for you to do is to picture your life. And do, are you able to say at least one day a week that the most important thing that you do that day is outside your roles as a parent and or partner and or professional? And by professional, I mean stay-at-home moms to people who work outside of the home. Is there at least one day a week where you can say the most important thing you do that day is something that you prioritize for you? outside of your roles. Because we know that now that that is linked to our mental health, our longevity. And so it's actually why I don't believe that we can't make time for it. What I have to say is that society doesn't allow us this time. It doesn't give us that permission to be unavailable. So we have to literally take it by the reins and take it back for ourselves. It's, it's funny hearing you say that, that, you know, like make a make one day where you have the priorities, your time, even hearing that and certainly reading it in the book, my feeling was like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. Like, like it feels like, where does the guilt come from for taking mm. space and time for yourself? But it's like, it's the first emotion that I've plugged into. Such a great question. So I would say, um, think about how women's time is being, has been devalued since the beginning of time, since the industrial revolution, we saw that if women entered a male profession, the salaries automatically went down. We know that we say things in our cultures like breastfeeding is free. <laughs> when it's 1800 hours a year, it's a full-time <laughs> job. Yeah, wow. So of course we're gonna feel guilty when we spend time on ourselves because we've been taught 
that our time is our most valuable currency in a you know capitalist patriarchy, but that we're taught as women to give it away for free to everybody else other than ourselves, to mm. the parent-teacher association, to your civic communities, to your children, to your partner. Um, you know, and so when is that currency going to be spent on ourselves? But I will tell you, it is actually glorious to spend that currency on yourself. It is really, really, to me, what we all strive for in our society. If you say, I wish someone to be happy, I would actually say, I wish someone a creative life because happiness is what follows. Mm. And so much of it is about permission. You talk about three different kinds of permission in the book, Eve, which I loved, which was uh, permission to burn shame and guilt. So that's just a decision. That's a decision to recognise that there's a toxic voice in my head that says, I'm not allowed to do this. And you just go, thanks very much, voice. I'm not going to listen to that today, pretty much. Um, But there's also the permission to use your voice to be able to say to someone, I'm going to allocate an hour to myself today and that's where I fall over, Eve, because I let kind of a bunch of resentment build up and then when I finally say it, it comes out in a very aggressive, quite angry way and not surprisingly, uh, we end up having a fight with whoever that I've said that to. So there are ways that we need to actually use our voice, Eve. Uh Absolutely and thank you for saying that. Even for me, as I was writing this book, and I'm an expert in communication, Joe, in difficult conversations, I still talk about how hard it was for me to tell my kids I was unavailable. But that's also because on average, people who were in caregiving roles during the pandemic were interrupted every three minutes and 42 seconds. What? According to one Time Journal survey. So when that's our reality, Of course, we're going to be like, I'm unavailable, right? You're going to throw things at people or hide in a bathroom or a closet. So that's our reality. But if we acknowledge in advance that that's our reality and say, we understand, and especially, you know, if you're somebody who, again, is not used to using your voice, first comes self-talk. My time is diamonds. I deserve to spend that diamond currency on myself. Two is using the voice to express it to others. And what I would say is that my number one piece of advice is when people say, well, I can't communicate to ask for what I need uh, in this creative life. I like to say to them, well, you're already communicating. My friend said to me, I can't ask for this space. But then she tells me every time her partner forgets to put the laundry in the dryer and she has to do it, she dumps wet clothes on his pillow. So I like to say, you know, I'm not asking for you to start communicating. I'm asking for a communication shift away from passive aggressive communication or boiling over or just escaping to actually thinking about what the shift would look like to ask for what you need in advance of what you need to anticipate your needs and to vocalize them. It feels like reading the book, you've got a whole lot of exercises all the way through of things that you can do to like kind of discover what it is that that is your creative outlet but again it sort of feels like a revolution to actually take Mm. action to find the thing like it's it's such a weird like I've realized how much I just go oh I've no I've got to do this this way and well maybe there'll be time left but you talk about also you talk about making time for it and making it a priority it just yeah it's I've I've realized inside I think I'm a 50s housewife which is (laughs) (laughs) which is a shock to me but but um 
like how important is it to do the exercises in the book like do you like you is it just about taking a direct step forward to start? Well, yeah, I think it, what's interesting about the exercises in the book is they break it breaks down creativity into the three C's of uh, values-based curiosity. Because I hate the word passion. That connotes it can only be one thing. I hate the word hobby because that was most associated in my research with infrequency. I really like the word curiosity, right? I'm curious what it would be like to be in a closed community with 12 strangers. Um, and then you went off and you did it. Um, even with broad radio, what you're doing here, right? You're doing the first C, which is curiosity. What would it look like if we had a space, a physical, metaphorical, um, and literal space for, for to, to talk about things that haven't been talked about traditionally? And then you connect with others. You have each other. You have your guests. And then the hardest part, especially for type A women, is that you complete something. <laughs> the idea that this episode goes up, it goes out live. Maybe things will get messed up. Maybe somebody will curse. Maybe you won't like your questions. But it's still complete. And that's different than perfect. And I think the more that we realize completions can look differently, then we won't live, as my friend Amanda calls it, in a graveyard of unfulfilled dreams. <laughs> that oh, sounds man. like a horror show. I, I feel, I feel like, like you've just been filming my life and you've just written this for me in terms of like actually completing stuff and that that done is better than perfect because yes. perfect doesn't yeah. exist. Like I feel yeah. I feel very seen You're to seen an uncomfortable. Right <laughs> but and can I say too, Eve, that Cal is a mad crafter. Like she what she can make with a glue gun, you know, no one it's not worth having if she can't make it with a glue gun, right? So I would imagine you're an incredibly creative person and you do make space for it, but perhaps it's a slightly different yeah, it's late process. at night. It's late yeah, at night okay. when everyone else has gone to bed. Mm. I, I also love the term curiosity, Eve, because as I build this particular startup, and I've never built a startup before, I never imagined that I could, I've just been driven by the need to create a space for women who increasingly as we age feel less and less seen. Um, curiosity for me has become the antidote to anxiety and fear. It's mm. become the way of answering that voice in my head, but what if this doesn't happen? And what if this falls over? And what if we fail? And what if I lose all my money or <laughs> whatever, right? And I go, hey, just that hasn't happened yet. Let's just be curious as to how it unfolds because curiosity opens all manner of doors. It actually makes you open to anything happening. Well, absolutely. I mean, it wasn't like on my third grade board with Miss Hornstein, Joe, that I'd said, um, what I want to be when I grow up is a gendered division of labor expert. <laughs> um, it probably said veterinarian or something like astronaut. I don't know. But but the same thing. I, I don't know if you would have imagined that, you know, hosting a startup to create literally, again, a metaphorical and physical space for women who've been erased was on your third grade board either. But that's the beauty of curiosity. Because when you say, well, what if I do this? You know, what pushback will I get? What clues will it tell me? And you just repeat the cycle between curiosity plus connection plus completion. And the reason why the connection and the completion are so important is because this is different than self-care. As much as I would love for you to take a run or do a spin class, that one-on-one -on -one pursuit um, is not the same as sort of the fear and the rigor 
it takes to create a unicorn space, which is, as we said, connecting with others, sharing your intent with the world and actually completing something. Whether it's my friend who said she just completed a ukulele concert for her friends and family, or whether it's the man in, in Texas who told me on a radio show that he um, completed his first bull ride. Bull ride? Wow. Bull riding. <laughs> who knew? <laughs> who knew? I have got one question, though, around the share part of it. Why is it important to share it? Like, because I love singing. Why can't I just sing into my wardrobe for no one to know? Why do I have to share that with the world? Well, there's a few reasons. First, I'll talk to you as if you're a leader, which we all are, whether we're a work colleague or, you know, we're a leader for our communities or our children. Sharing makes you um, empathetic. It makes you more vulnerable. One of my um, interviewees said that she was having a really hard time with her boss until she saw a vintage Singer sewing machine behind her. And she started asking her about it. And then they were checking in about um, the doll clothes that her boss was sewing for her granddaughter. Um, and they started to create a new connection around vulnerability, about us being full human beings. And that type of vulnerability, Joe, I know that if you sang on this show, or um, to me at least, I know that now knowing that Kelly, you're a crafter, don't you sing? Um, these things make us more human. And it's in a time where really, literally, we are being divided by um, a deadly disease, by politics, by climate change, um, you really can't underestimate uh, authentic connections that bring you close to somebody or closer to somebody that you wouldn't have known had something to share. Well, I just, I really, really love what you've written in this book. And just quickly before we go, I know it's a massive topic of conversation, but part of the thing that you talk about is time and your New York best selling book, um, your New York Times best selling book, Eve, is Fair Play, which was all about that division of labor at home. And you bring in that book a really you know, basic, well, not basic, but really easy to follow system whereby you might be able to address what's happening in your home, which I love because I think gender equality is never going to happen in the workplace and, and boardrooms until we have it in our homes. So can you tell us a little bit about Fair Play? Absolutely. It's really, it's not rocket science. Um, as you said, it actually is basic. Um, and it's based on a premise that really um, the systems that you employ in your home, treating your home as your most important organization will be the most important thing if you wanna invest in your long-term life, especially as a woman. And I remember talking to one man about fair play and he said, um, fair play is the opposite of my home where we wait to decide who's taking the dog out right when it's about to take a piss on the rug. <laughs> and I said, exactly, whatever you're doing in your home, fair play is the opposite. I want you to do the opposite. Um, the beauty of systems is the idea that you can make decisions before you have to make decisions. And what that does is it frees up so much more space, which we're talking about today, space in your life to ideate, to tinker, to dream, when you're not always dying in decision fatigue. And it sounds like, you know, obvious, but it hasn't been obvious to many of us that the most three, the three most toxic words we could ever have in a relationship are figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Wow. 
Nick, I, I feel like even next time we speak, uh, we will like Joe will sing the questions to you. Like, yes. we we need to take action. <laughs> it's true. I'll share that with the world, and I'm going home to uh, share fair play with my husband as well because. Uh, the endless conversation about who's juggling what and who's doing, who's more tired. Oh, do you oh, have that yep. conversation? I'm more tired. I've worked harder <laughs> today. <laughs> it's it's just not healthy. Eve Rodsky, it's been absolutely joyous to speak with you. Thank you for sharing uh, all of your systems and really practical ways that we can hopefully uh, reconnect with our creative spaces and, and find a little bit more fulfilment, if not this year, but maybe just this week. Thank you. Thanks, Eve. You take care and we'll have more Broad Radio after this. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Broad Radio. Talking inspo we love, info we need, and sharing more of us. Watch and listen live every Tuesday, 9am, Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time at broadradio.com.au or find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and LinkedIn at Broad Radio Oz. Talk to us live. Call on 1300 8 Broad. Catch up on demand anytime, anywhere, every time, everywhere. On the train, we'll be here. 2 a.m. existential crisis, <laughs> we've got you covered. Broad Radio, here for more. Now, Cal, um, we had intended this day, our first day back, to be a birthday party for Betty White because it would have been her 100th birthday yesterday. And unfortunately, the world had to say goodbye to her just after Christmas. It was a huge loss at oh, 99. Huge, huge. And it feels like another sign of the apocalypse. Because, <laughs> no. because Betty White was going to be around forever because she was so magnificent. Mm. But, yeah, it was so sad. What What is always lovely when someone beloved like this dies is when you get on Twitter and everyone posts clips mm. of them at their best and there were just so many clips of her being hilarious on the Golden Girls or Mary Tyler Moore show. But it does feel like a loss. Yes. And when you start diving into someone like Betty's career, who I was first introduced to her on Golden Girls. For others, it was Mary Tyler Moore. But for, you know, those seniors amongst us, they're like, oh, I remember when she had her own show in the 50s. She won, she got an Emmy and she was one of those, like Lucille Ball, she was one of the first women to produce her mm. own work. Incredible, right? Love, yeah. love, love, everything. And what a natural comic. Like So funny. The, the best clips or the clips that I enjoyed the most were um, watching her improvise on Golden Girls mm. and having the other actors just uncontrollably laugh. Yes. 
just joyous. But this, I, I sort of dived into a little bit of trivia about Betty, uh, and these are, this is my favourite thing that I learned about her. Um, her love of her life was actually her third marriage, and the first two marriages lasted a very short amount of time because both of those men expected her to give up her career. And she was like, oh, no, 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 no. Entertaining is what I do. And she said of her second husband, he didn't want me to be in show business. And when you have a calling, you have to follow it. So I made the choice, blew the marriage, <laughs> and I've never regretted it. Amazing. And yeah, and then met the love of her life, who was in show business yes. as well. I know. Gorgeous. Yeah. Some, something blew my mind the other day, though, about Betty White. And it was on TikTok. So who knows if it's true? Oh, come on, TikTok. But it's gospel. The Golden Girls, the, the the women playing the Golden Girls were the same age as the women in Sex in the City now. What? No. Yeah, so they're all in their 50s. So she was like 54 or something when they started Golden Girls. <laughs> like, and how like how much further apart could you feel in lifestyle than those sets of women? Cal, I turned 50 this year. I'm 51, Joe. <laughs> so how are they 54? <laughs> wigs. I think it's wigs. It was just wigs. Oh, my God. <laughs> That has really blown my like, mind enormously. Again, TikTok, who knows? Mm, yeah, who no, knows? I do believe it. Um, I did also hear that uh, the woman who played the mother mm -hmm. in Golden Girls was the youngest of them all. Yeah, it was something like four years difference between her and, and she her was screen daughter. <laughs> she was 12, actually. <laughs> A lot of really good makeup. Um, anyway, so R.O.P. Betty White, Vale, or whatever you say, we just um, the world was so much better because of her and it was just a joy to... Um, I don't know, be taught as a comedian, you yeah. know, I, I say the same about Lucille Ball, just to learn the craft from those sorts of Absolutely. And geniuses. also that they were that they were mentors and welcoming to other women in mm. the industry as well. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to be talking sport in just a moment. Alrighty, so we are waiting for Kate O'Halloran to join us from the uh, she's ABC Journal and she's the expert here, right? Okay, mm -hmm. so it's going to be a great conversation until she joins us. But a, a couple of things I was going to mention, mm -hmm. which is uh, awesome. Um, the Netball Diamonds, uh, mm -hmm. the Australian Diamonds are over in the UK at the moment and they're uh, playing actually in the final against the UK Thursday morning our time. But one of the things I've absolutely loved about watching the Netball is that there are babies on tour. And actually babies that belong to the players, not just them, oh, yeah, just yeah, yeah. like bought babies. <laughs> um, yeah, no, babies that actually belong to the player. That There's, um, oh, look, do you know what? I don't even have the note. Oh, here she is. She's extraordinary. I'm not a netball expert. But uh, Gretel Bretta, a year ago, gave birth to a little boy and she's taken him on tour with her. Is it not amazing that she's playing for Australia? And... Yeah. Totally. Like, I am not ready to do that. And my son is 12. Like, he's <laughs> doing right. that a year after <laughs> after giving birth. Oh. Now, also, can I just ask you, did you bring up the netball because Australia had smashed New Zealand? Is that, is that why we're talking about this now? Australia did smash New Zealand <laughs> and smashed South Africa as well, but um, obviously rivals. Are you a netball? Do you, did you ever play I netball? I played netball at primary school and I was uh, goal defence and the teacher – tied me to the pole with my jumper because I kept coming out of my little semi-circle. 
You're not supposed to be there. You get up in. I um, also played netball because all girls did play netball in the 80s, mm-hmm. didn't they? Because it was the only sport that was available to mm-hmm. us pretty much. Um, and I didn't play sport. I was a creative girl, you know, read my book and went to piano lessons. But when I was forced to play netball, they always made me wing defence, which is what they give the worst player. Yeah. <laughs> And I did once actually ask Bianca Chatfield that, who played for Australia, and she said, yeah, no, wing defence is a really important role. And I'm like, yeah, but in, like, be honest, in amateur, in the amateur world, is that what you give the worst players? And she wouldn't admit it, but I could tell she was thinking it. I could tell she was like, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's the equivalent of you've got a lovely personality, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> Yes, it absolutely is. Um, we've had no luck with Kate O'Halloran and so she, um, we're, we're chasing her down. Um, but in the meantime, the other thing is that uh, the Ashes mm-hmm. is starting, Women's Ashes is starting. Are they um, called the this... Washes? Do we call them the Washes if it's the oh, Women's Ashes? I would love it if they called it the Washes. Washes with lashes of bashes. <laughs> oh, my crashes. God. And crashes. <laughs> we're going home. Um <laughs> That's it. It's an early, early lunch. Um, yeah, so that's starting Thursday. So check that out. And we wish our uh, ladies well there in the cricket. And it was so awesome to see Ash Barty win last night. Mm-hmm. So we are absolutely smashing it for sport this this week. But we wanted to talk AFLW and we really wanted to do it with Kate O'Halloran, who is our sports journal and expert. So um, in the meantime, I reckon we're going to go to another break and try and get her on the line. Do you reckon, Ro? Yes? She's too busy sorting it out, Jo. I know. I don't know. Um, There's a tech issue with Kate and we are working on on it. So in the meantime, I'm going to ask you a different question. We'll change the subject altogether. You can interview me about women's AFL, but... It's probably not a good idea. <laughs> no, that's okay. Did you take up a an AFL sport when you came here from, I mean, an AFL team when I you did, came I did, I did. Um, I did a show about it at the comedy festival. I chose St Kilda. I knew that already. Mm. Did we share a venue? Maybe. I'm having a flashback. Oh, yes. yes, probably. <laughs> Which is different to a hot flush. Oh. But often they coincide. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Kate O'Halloran, uh, courtesy of the ABC and uh, Brilliant Sports Journal, it's lovely to have you on the show. Thanks. I'm finally here. <laughs> you are finally here. I won't ask you where you were. Were you stuck in your wardrobe behind you there? <laughs> I wish that would make for a better story rather than stuck <laughs> inside the space somewhere. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's the worst place Isn't to it? be stuck. I, I am someone who has never got my head around technology and I hate the fact that it's so cliche that a woman who's Mm. in her early 50s, 50 this year, has to go to the IT desk in their house, which is my husband, to fix it. Yes, I've got one of those. I feel like I'm letting the side down again. It's so boring. Oh, Kate, are you there? Yes, sorry. I just realised I have my fan on, which doesn't really work very well for live radio. What I'm hoping for, Kate, is do you have a dog or cat that could walk across the screen? Because I, that is, it doesn't matter how interesting you are or how fascinating you are, the best thing to ever happen is when a pet joins the call. Like, I know, that would be the holy trilogy of um, failures this morning. But no, I don't have one, so sorry. <laughs> It's okay, and you're with us now, so oh, I can relax, as I did have a hot flush, I think, during that time there. Um, it's the first show back, Kate. What are you doing to me, asking me to ad-lib? Without, I've forgotten, actually, how to use my mouth for anything other than drink wine. 
So we wanted to talk AFLW, which I absolutely love, although I know very little about. You are the expert as the sports journo here. I know that one of the biggest talking points in AFLW since we began, it's only round two, is the number of ACL injuries that we've had. In that first round, there were three. I know. Yeah, it was um, a shocking round, really, from an injury perspective. So we had, yeah, three ACLs to three of the top players in the league, really, and that's no exaggeration because it was last year's best and fairest, um, Bree Davey, who mm. shared the best and fairest with Kiara Bowers. Um, we had Izzy Huntington, uh, former rising star and the Bulldogs' number one draft pick, uh, and also Kate Lutkins, who was best on ground in uh, the grand final last year against Adelaide. So, you know, um, ACLs are obviously tragic for any player, but really to see that quality of uh, competitor go down in the first round is really an enormous blow to the competition. And there was talk, though, and there has been a lot of talk, why does it happen so often for the women? Is it something to do with the fact that they can't train, you know, the kind of hours that the men are able to because they're juggling careers as well? Is it because they're playing in summer? Is it like there are so many theories around it? Are are there any theories we can trust? (laughs) (laughs) Well, as per usual, you'd probably be unsurprised to learn that there's very little uh, research done on women and ACLs Mm. in sport. I think I I saw a stat the other day about exercise science research. I think it's 3% that's done on women specifically. (laughs) So a lot of the data that we have, I mean, it's shocking really. I shouldn't laugh, but what what else can you do really? Um, A lot of the data that we have is about men and injuries in sport. I think I heard Kay Crossley talk on ABC Radio Adelaide the other day. She's actually been involved in some research with the AFL at La Trobe. And she said if you look at sports where men and women are playing the same sport, uh, women are still about twice as likely to do their ACL. But in AFLW in the first couple of seasons, it was something like nine nine times more likely. Uh, Yeah, and a lot of that, you know, she spoke about exactly what you just mentioned, the fact that they are juggling uh, commitments outside of football like like work, coming to training at, you know, 5pm after a full day. I mean, they are playing in the hottest part of the year, very hard grounds. Um, this season in particular was brought right forward to the start of January. So a lot of them had very interrupted holiday periods over Christmas and New Year uh, and have been asked to come out. Some didn't even get a practice match before the first round, uh, depending on what state they were in because of the COVID situation and border restrictions. So it's really not your ideal preparation for a season and I think we can't underplay the impact that that has uh, on the players but also on their livelihoods after they do injure themselves. Mm. And so so doing your ACL, that's a season-ending injury, isn't it? Um, yeah. how, how is that affecting players' contracts? Because I know they have shorter contracts. Like if you, are, if you do your ACL, is your club still going to pick you up for the next season? Like how is it going to work? Yeah, I mean, that that is one of the most difficult things as well on, on that same note. You know, they're contracted for only six months and an ACL is a 12-month injury and the season is only three months. So we're asking these players to rehabilitate uh, year-round on a six-month contract. So, 
you know, Ash Brazel has spoken last year with the ABC about the fact that once she was in off-season, she felt that, you know, you, you're hearing a lot less from your coaches, from your medical team, from your teammates, and it's a very lonely injury to rehabilitate from. And we can't ignore the implications, I guess, from a financial and overall health and well-being point of view, you know, these players having to go back to their careers um, you know, and, and having such a serious injury that they need to take care of. Erin uh, Phillips actually spoke on Sam Lane and Shelley Norder's podcast the other day as well and just emphasised that in at, at the Adelaide Crows, and this is not uncommon, they have one physio for 31 players. So, you know, those staff members are doing their very best to help these women with their injuries, but outside of season that's something that falls on the individual and that really isn't a fair situation I think that we're putting these players in. Mm. Part of the conversation I don't like around the injuries that women experience though are the people that say oh but they just don't know how to play properly yet and hence when they go in really hard they injure themselves because they haven't had the years of experience that the men have had. And I always kind of go they're professional athletes like they know what they're doing. <laughs> I know, it's just part of that, uh, you know, um, sexist discourse that women are more likely to injure themselves, that there's something wrong with our bodies or, you know, the way that we've prepared or that we're not as familiar with the game and that's why we're doing these injuries and I think it's blatantly untrue. <laughs> there's also been, you know, I mean, on, on a slightly serious note, a lot of um, work that the AFL have put into the women's competition has been with the pathways that um, feed into AFLW is running um, these prep to play um, programs where, you know, you do get taught how to land in a marking contest, how to change direction as safely as possible. So this education is all being filtered through. I truly believe that the issue is the conditions that they're currently playing under not being uh, fully professional. Mm, my gosh, I can't even believe they play in this heat. I mean, I like to go for a little 5K jog here and there and my temperature level, like I, my limit is 25 degrees. Anything over, I can't do it. And those women are playing full footy in 30-degree heat for two hours. Oh, my God. No, thank it's you. It's funny because you talk, you talk to some of them and they're like, I actually really like the heat and I have no issue with playing in summer and I just think, well... I don't know if I can take this as gospel for the rest of the playing cohort because I know I would not be keen at all. <laughs> no. Um, so uh, this weekend is the Pride Round. Mm, yep, yep, very exciting. So it's the second year in a row that we've had a full Pride Round. So there has been uh, a Pride match right from the inauguration of the competition, but the last this will be the second season where we've got a full Pride round. Uh, so, yeah, very exciting. And uh, there's a couple of players that have recently come out as non-binary. Uh, Tori Groves-Little from Gold Coast Suns and Darcy Vessio, who was the competition's leading goal scorer last season. Uh, both um, Tori on Instagram made an announcement about their gender identity and then Darcy Vessio uh, spoke in a very emotional video actually on the uh, AFL Women's website about their journey uh, coming out as non-binary. So, yeah, it's a really um, yeah interesting round, um, you know, just in light of that because 
there has been controversy, I guess, over the first few seasons in particular about inclusion of trans women in the competition. Uh, Hannah Mouncey was famously denied the opportunity to participate. So the AFL does have a gender diversity policy that restricts uh, people who are on testosterone, for example, from participating. But non-binary is a bit of a grey area at the moment. If the players aren't uh, on testosterone, for example, then they are free to participate. So, yeah, it's just sort of an interesting conversation going forward, I think, uh, for the AFL to figure out. Mm, But I think that the AFLW, as always, just sets the mark as far as inclusivity Mm. and diversity and it's one of the reasons why we love it and why it's such (laughs) a different game to the men's game. I love the men's game too, but just this complete acceptance and love and putting arms around all, all different kinds of people is one of the reasons we love about this sport. Yeah, it's amazing, actually. I was thinking that just watching um, Darcy's video on the AFL women's website, just thinking, wow, how groundbreaking is this? You know, if you think about, you know, there was an article just yesterday about Joel Selwood saying, oh, you know, a gay player would be welcome in men's AFL. I mean, how many years have we been Mm -hmm. hearing that Mm -hmm. for? And we've still never had anyone come out and Here's AFLW in its sixth season. We've got a couple of non-binary players now speaking openly about their gender identity and, you know, full pride round. I just think it's leaps and bounds ahead of the AFL men's competition and I do think it's it's making a mark socially in that way and I think, yeah, the players can all be really proud of the role they've played and the bravery they've shown in, in being really open about their sexuality and gender diversity. Absolutely. Well, Kate O'Halloran, it's been lovely to have you on the show. Um, so glad that you finally pushed your way through the internet and got yourself onto the screen. I'm sorry. I don't know what happened, but I'm very glad that we eventually got to have this conversation. Yeah, me too. Um, and, yeah, we'll speak to you again soon. It's always a joy to have you on Broad Radio. Thanks, love. Yeah, vice versa. Okay. You take care and we'll have the end of Broad Radio after this. <laughs> It's the end of Broad Radio. Why did I say that? You did make it sound quite final, isn't it? It's our first day back and it's our last broadcast ever. Uh, I wouldn't say that I'm rusty, but that was that did get a little hairy there. Have you found yourself ever having to cover on like live TV, live radio, anything kind of yes, fall over in that way? Yes, the, way back when smartphones weren't a thing, uh, Telstra used to do this thing. If you had a phone with a screen, you could watch um, Australian Idol during the ad breaks instead of, you could watch the show on your phone and in the ad breaks, instead of getting the ads, I was there interviewing people about oh, cool. Australian Idol. That's a cool gig. Yeah, it was, it was really yeah. great. And so, you know, like just chatting with the contestants and stuff and occasionally there'd be like a celebrity visiting. I think it was Kelly Clarkson. I was interviewing her and I mistook the director's um, hand signal because he kind of did sort of waved his arms around and that usually means wrap it up yeah. and he'd made that gesture so I wrapped up and then Kelly and I stood there for a couple of minutes going, hey, that was a good interview and then he was like, <laughs> you're still live. <laughs> 
You weren't bagging Novak Djokovic at the the time. Oh, my gosh, that was, if the mics are on. You don't know. Well, anyway, here we are. Um, We are not ending broad radio for good, just this particular show. Uh, Before we leave you, I did want to mention that the draft national plan to end violence against women and children, an absolutely critical document from uh, the federal government, is actually up for community engagement and consultation. The period is only two weeks I don't know why they've only left two weeks for that particular thing to happen. It's a 75-page document, so there is a lot of feedback that could be made. Um, If you are interested, that's the website, but it is insanely long. It can't even fit it on the screen. So we're going to put that on our social media today so that you can head along and uh, give your feedback to that really, really important policy and plan moving forward to end violence against women and children. Please do so and we will share that on our socials. Um, It's been really lovely to be back. Thank you to those who joined us on uh, comments today. Um, We have had, I don't even know, I want to find out. I'm going to actually message. Do you reckon you pronounce that Essie or Etche? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, she has said go and Google Betty White today and see what happens on your screen. What's that mean? I reckon she's got a little Google. uh, She's got her own little doodle on Google. Oh, I love that. And also I'm going to message you to find out how to pronounce your name, dear friend, who has shared that comment. And Pip says, great to have you back. It's great to be back. Thank you so much. Um, It's been awesome to have you on this first day. Thank you for having me. How was it being? It's like your first day on a job here. Was it awkward? Kind of. Well, it wasn't were we like, nice and friendly? <laughs> very, well, yes, you were very welcoming. You got me a hot drink. Uh, you gave me your AirPods because I brought the wrong ones. I feel like we're either it was a great day at work or we're in a relationship now. <laughs> yes. Well, it remains to be seen. I remember once my very first day of work on a job, right, I was nervous, as I always am. I'm very introverted, right? And I found it, I find it really difficult to be the first time anywhere mm-hmm. with people you don't know. And I remember I thought I'd be really cool and walk into the office and say, oh, my God, there's cake in the kitchen. And everyone except one girl went, uh-uh-uh. and she's and the one girl who went, oh, what? She said, oh, it's my birthday. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I totally blew the surprise birthday cake. <laughs> I have never recovered from that. I wake up in a cold sweat sometimes uh, remembering that. I did. Uh, when I went in to have an interview with my management company to get management and sort of pitch myself towards them. So it's the first time I'd been in the office mm. and the meeting went very well. And so we agreed that they would take me on. And as I walked out, I thought I was pressing the button to open the door, but I just turned off all the lights. <laughs> See you later, everybody. I'm out. I love it. Uh, Cal, it's been awesome to have you, and I hope we get you back very soon. That'd be great. Yeah, all righty. And we'll be back with Broad Radio next Tuesday. We'll see you then. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.